0: We'll wait until April, and if your mom's not feeling better, I'm like, she is possessed. How long are we going to wait to take her for medical help? March is so busy.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Books We Loved podcast of the Troy Public Library. Today we're talking about The Witch Herself by Phyllis Reynolds. (laughs) nailer <laughs> with our friend karen from adult services it's the third book in a series but we kind of write it
0: as a standalone and we'll talk more about that today as we delve into this
1: book yeah as podcast. we dive into the witch herself and Thanksgiving is next week, so happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Happy Thanksgiving to all of what our friends. What will you be doing for Thanksgiving?
0: Um, it is our first year in our new house, and so we had talked to our family and let them know that we were going to host every holiday this year, mm-hmm. just just since it's the first time. And I was very excited, so we will be hosting my brother's family. Amazing. And then any other strays that wander over. Okay. So
1: how about you? Uh, I'll be going to my parents' house as usual. I'm never the host. I'm always the guest. Do you bring something like really
0: amazing, like canned cranberry sauce, or <laughs> jar, of gravy, about
1: it. jar of gravy? I think my job is roasted potatoes this year, but I'll Ooh. see if I can jazz them up a little bit. Are
0: you on Instagram? I sure am. Do you follow Poppy Cook? She's a British uh, cook that always does potato recipes. All right. this and is her, I think she has something called like a 16 or 18 hour potato. Oh, I want to try those. Okay. I'm not saying make those for Thanksgiving because that's a time commitment, uh-huh. but you should check out some of her recipes. She just did some crunchy roasted potatoes the other day. My mouth was watering yeah. while I was watching the video. Okay. So. All right. Thanks. Just my suggestion for anybody else out there. Poppy Cooks
1: on Poppy Instagram. Cooks. Okay. This is going to jazz up the Thanksgiving uh, ritual. I'm going to be the best guest ever. The place. Mm-hmm. Well, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Enjoy this super scary <laughs> bug. It's a little disturbing. It's disturbing. <laughs> Enjoy. Bye. Bye. Okay, The Witch Herself. I'll do a little synopsis because I wrote one. Or do you want to do it? No, please do. Okay. I can't wait to hear what you say. Okay. No. no. (laughs) (laughs) All right, The Witch Herself, a little synopsis. It's about Lynn and Marjorie, a.k.a. Mouse, who are best friends. They're about 11... And they are convinced that their neighbor, Mrs. Tuggle, is an evil witch. And they are working together to stop her from forwarding her evil plans, which sometimes includes possessing their loved ones and other horrifying things. The main plot line of the story is that Mrs. Tuggle is trying to get... (laughs) The town to stop digging up a cemetery. The town wants to (laughs) dig up someone's eternal resting spot. Everybody else is fine with it. For
0: some high-rise
1: apartments. (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Tuggle (laughs) is concerned. And this is like a huge red flag for our girls, Lynn and Mouse. So they are trying to figure out why she wants them to stop digging in the cemetery. And they suspect it has something to do with her brother, Mrs. Tuggle's brother, who is buried there and who died under sus circumstances. (laughs) And um, a little side story that I found the most chilling part of the book, we'll talk about it, is that Lynn suspects her mother is being possessed or controlled somehow by the evil Mrs. Tuggle. So let's start maybe by talking about what we liked about it. So Karen, what did you love about this book when you read it and why did you pick it for us to revisit?
2: Um So I started reading this book, I believe it was the summer before fifth grade, and this is the book that sort of got me on the path for young adult horror books, Mm. which was my jam for about the next four years after that. Um, I think the part I like about it is the sense of adventure and the feeling like there's magic and there's all this stuff going on that only the kids know about and the adults seem completely oblivious to it. Mm. Because I think at that age, I still wanted to believe that there was really magic all around us.
1: Mm -hmm. And that was a big part of the book too, that I forgot to mention is that Lynn and Mouse have found proof in previous books, right? That Mrs. Tuggle was a witch. They've had encounters with her in the past, but nobody believes them.
2: Oh yeah. I mean... It's not really going to give much away, but in the second book, she straight up has a murder of crows following mouse. From her home to school, <laughs> to the downtown, to back home, and <laughs> friends on the playground notice it, but you know her dad doesn't because when the dad comes to the window, <laughs> they all fly off. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty that that part is pretty silly, but um, yeah, that you think that would be proof if you saw <laughs> someone's pet crows following. You. Yes,
1: <laughs> that was one thing that I thought they did really well is that unlike. Some sort of horror TV shows that I've watched, Pretty Little Liars, I'm talking to you. <laughs> the parents are actually part of the kids' lives and they like see their parents every day. And mm-hmm. they have these sort of realistic 11 year old girl lives where they're just like hanging out at their house, like in their socks, eating a snack. And like yeah. their parents come down and talk to them. But they, anytime they try and describe the horrors that they've seen Mrs. Tuggle enact, the parents, Don't believe them.
2: Well, there's so much focus on the family in this book. It's really interesting because the... It's the third book in the series, and it, but it was the first one I read. So when I went back and reread the others, in the first book, Mouse's parents are still together. Mm-hmm. And obviously in this book, they talk a lot about them being separated or divorced. And that's a big concern that Lynn has with her mom's personality changing, that, oh no, what if my parents get divorced? I just thought that was really interesting. The book was written in the mid-70s, so maybe mm. that divorce was still a fairly new concept that yeah. it was commonplace. But it does, their families are a big part of the plot
0: I think it's interesting saying how the parents don't believe them you know the mom's personality changes she's sitting and kind of staring at the wall almost catatonic not responding to the kids stops cooking meals for everybody situation and the dad's response in one chapter something like oh we'll wait until April and if your mom's not feeling better I'm like (laughs) she is possessed how long are we gonna wait to take her for medical help March is so busy You know, yeah, school year's wrapping up. There's snow on the ground, it's you know the late 70s, so like, what's happening? Nothing, it's in Indiana. You have, yeah, yeah, rural Indiana. There's nothing going on. All you're worried about is finishing your book (laughs) and the dad. I don't. Does it say what he does? He's so an engineer. He, so he,
2: yeah. Basically, he um, he works with the court in some oh, capacity because was. of the whole cemetery. Because yes. he, he's always talking about talking to the zoning commission about <laughs> yeah. the cemetery I'm being destroyed. I'm
0: going
1: to go to the zoning commission.
0: <laughs> I just, just yes. from the city. Can we just say? Didn't we learn anything from Poltergeist? I was thinking this, and then I'm like, I think Poltergeist was made in the 80s, though, right? Like 85 or something, and this was like late 70s, mid late 70s. So I can't this is like the one Poltergeist. Came this is out. like the OG Poltergeist. I feel like book yes. four in this series should be everybody in town is haunted. Their TVs are turning on. It's the static because we <laughs> built apartments on a bear. This has really bothered me. Do they actually do that anywhere? No. Have they ever
2: been allowed to dig up a cemetery oh, you, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about in the book. Well, as someone who used to work for a cultural heritage institution, yes. I can tell you there are plenty of burial grounds that have been dug up for parking lots oh. in Oakland County, wayne county macomb county i mean there aren't people who've died within the last 50 years but But this is why you have repatriation where all these museums have to give bodies back to tribes because it was commonplace to dig up burial grounds wow wow for parking lots yeah there's a really interesting um website well so there's I don't know if you guys want to cut this out. No. It's kind of a tangent. Okay. <laughs> we love tangents. This love whole tangent. podcast is a tangent. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So, there's a law, I believe it's NAGPRA, that basically if you have any uh, funeral remains... Um, Funeral objects or human remains, you are supposed to do your due diligence to repatriate those items and people Mm -hmm. back to the tribes. So U of M has been working with tribes to do this because they have a lot of remains and other universities that have uh, natural history museums. They've mm-hmm. been working to do that as well. Wow. Um, but the, if you look at NAGPRA's website, which goes through the National Park Services, you can look up specific areas and specific institutions, and it tells you if they have submitted a summary that they have remains. Wow. So you can literally look and and see, you know, what areas around here have been disturbed for Yikes. That's, construction. That's fascinating.
1: Really yeah, that would be really interesting to look at. I get real at. passionate about it, so I'm trying to be chill. But yeah. <laughs> no. I, you could
2: probably tell by my voice. Yeah. I'm like, uh,
1: it's not the first yeah. time yeah. that that's come up on the podcast, too, because um, remember when we did Island of the Blue Dolphins, yes. there was a um, a whole situation where some archaeologists had found remains and then they had to go through you know, this process to to okay it, to mm-hmm. actually start digging. And they weren't given permission to do that. So then they couldn't do that. And then my, you didn't read it, um, Manda, but my Nancy Drew book was about... <laughs> oh, yeah, you did the... And they were, that was way on the unrealistic side yeah. of things where they're, like, letting Nancy just, like, poke around in these, like, remains. And uh, it's, like, mm, that probably... Nancy, Nancy Drew of the 40s. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was some old-timey... So that is an interesting, it oh. seems like... That's something that we're interested in in our uh, literary history, especially for kids. For some reason, something about cemeteries and yeah. where people are buried. So, wh- I thought the book. So, just like taking a step back and looking at it as a book, I thought it was pretty writerly. Um, and I wanted to look up the author, and it's Phyllis Reynolds Tate. I always say Taylor. <laughs> Phyllis Reynolds Naylor. Naylor. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she wrote Shiloh, which is a classic, obviously. Have you read that?
2: So, this is what's funny. I, I know she's written the, Sh- the Shiloh series, and I know she's written the Alice series, which are super popular. Never read those books. Never. You were, you were there <laughs> for the supernatural. For I was. I was yeah. really, yeah.
1: yeah. She read, wrote like 135 children's books, and wow, she's my still gosh. alive and she's still writing. She said she's going to write as long as she can hold a pencil. Wow, I didn't know and she was still alive. Yeah, she's still writing, and she, so I really thought of it as pretty well written, like her writing style I thought was pretty literary, and we talked about it being in March, and I thought that was such a smart place in time to set a horror novel like this, when you said, let's wait till April to make sure the mother is okay. Yeah. It is sort of this like waiting, March is this waiting month, like it's not mm-hmm. really winter, it's definitely, especially here, maybe Indiana too, not spring, it's this like bleak, sort of you just get through it mm-hmm. to get to spring, and it feels like this is, it's just like the perfect suspenseful time to have a have a story like this.
2: Well, I... I- For the setting, for me, I thought it was interesting because March around here, you know we have wild weather. So the fact that there's a massive thunderstorm, but it starts out and they're going up the hill and it's so snowy and there's all these massive gusts of wind. I kind of love that it takes place in the Midwest because as a kid and now... I could totally relate. And in my head, I could picture exactly what they were talking about, you know, going out at 530 in the morning and wearing layers and layers of clothes and just freezing. I I knew exactly what what they meant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: I agree. I think it was well-placed for March. March to me is sort of that time of year where I always feel like October's got this really great spooky quality, right? Because it's like Halloween, we have All Saints Day or Day of the Dead, and all this kind of like idea of things dying and hibernating and things kind of winding down as we get towards the end of the year, and the days feel shorter because we're getting less light and everything. And for me, like in the reverse, I always feel like February and March are have like that weird same element, and I don't know if it's because you know, we've been trapped inside for this long period of time and I start to feel like a caged animal and yeah. it's like, it's sort of that, it's not quite spooky, but there's almost something like, I think of um, Mr. Rochester, um, I can't think of the book Jane title, Jane Eyre, where it's like, they're in the house and you have like all these things happening. So I think winter is a great setting for having spooky stuff happen because you're trapped indoors more. But I also like what Karen said, you have this like really, really, um, crazy weather patterns in the Midwest like it's snowing then all of a sudden they get this this storm and I know the dad looks outside and he's like oh it's hailing and then yeah they get this crazy amount of rain and everything but that's that can be normal in the Midwest so I also like that this was set in the Midwest but I love this time of year because they're right on the cusp of spring and like new beginnings and all that kind of stuff which obviously speaks to the possibility of possibilities of what might be happening in the book But I also just like that it's winding down that, like, dark
1: time of year where all the dead stuff's going to be kind of coming back alive. Yeah, but it feels like it's never... Like, the difference to me between, like, deep Mm midwinter and the uh, brutal end of winter in March is that by March... You Just feel like it's never ever going to end. No, like, it's, it's like never got its end. claws in the ground, and it yep. won't let you drag it away. It's like hard, yeah, it's hard well, to even imagine. And
2: oh, part gosh. of the part of her husband wanting to wait to see in April if she feels better. I mean, I'm definitely affected by the seasons, yeah. I'm a lot more depressed in the winter sure. and just bummed out. I got my happy light at home, and I'm you know, I yeah. try to counteract that, but. She, at the start of the book, the mom says, oh, I hate January. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you could just think, well, it's been a long winter. She's been cooped up in this old woman's house. Like yeah. Maybe she does just need spring to come, and then maybe she'll get back to her old self. Yeah. yeah so let's talk
1: about the mother for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's her, she's called the mother and also Mrs. Morley in the book, and she's a writer. It felt to me like she was an avatar for the author, yeah, for that, yeah. that, that mm-hmm. way too. What?
0: I, no, I was just going to say I was kind of pleasantly surprised by this book that, and for the time period that the mom was working and the dad fully supported it. I thought yeah. that was really cool because mm-hmm. I remember that still for some families could be a struggle when we were kids, and that was like 80s and early 90s. You know, some parents had more traditional, like old school sentiments about the
2: mom should be at home, whatever. So I thought that was kind of progressive for its time period. Well, and they also make a point to talk about when they look at the um, the book spines. She mm-hmm. has she keeps her her name and her husband's name. You know, yes. it's Sylvia oh. Jackson Morley. Okay, just good for her. which I thought you know that it, it's pretty cool. She's still remaining mm-hmm. very independent. And it's it is funny that the kids know notice things are changing because she's not cooking for them as yes. much. Poor woman, she's working full time and she's also yes. making them lunch and yeah. dinner every day. <laughs> so there are
0: elements that are progressive and then other stuff where it's like, okay,
2: folks. But she has yeah, like, like a, a room so like a
1: place of her own to write, right? Yeah. She has mm-hmm. like a yeah. but it's too cold. So that's the hen why coop. the hen coop yeah, she has her own little office, mm-hmm. a yeah. room of one's own kind of thing. And then she... Because it's too cold, that's why um, Mrs. Tuggle kindly offers to lend out her
2: like upstairs room, some mm-hmm. like office. I got this in her giant house. cauldron that's great for writing in. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hop the in. first book um, starts out in the summer and okay. they are just getting the hen house together. Okay. Um, oh. for her to, for it to be her writing studio. Mm-hmm. So it is have, interesting.
0: They should have thought about insulation yeah midwest winters maybe we should insulate this yeah. or put in like a fireplace or both mm-hmm. tricked out hen house <laughs> i
2: thought it sounded pretty cool she came. yeah i know I'd what is the it. she
0: shed it's
1: a her she shed it was her she shed <laughs> it was her she shed
0: she's the, she's the og a lot of things she shed um i called her the i called um uh phyllis reynolds Naylor, the og rl stein when i was reading this because it was so creepy it's mm-hmm. a creepy book such a good creepy book even for adults to read this
2: especially at this time of year it's it's weird though because when i look at her the other books she's written i don't know that she's done horror beyond this six book series yeah and i thought she wrote it really well but you know she does talk about mrs morley being possessed while she's writing the book on witches so mm-hmm. maybe she felt after the sixth book oh i'm good yeah <laughs> what are did you read all the books yes what
0: happens after this one where um, the witch dies honestly it's it's been a while since i by read by the way them. spoiler alert but we figure if this came out in the 70s and you haven't read it yet odds yeah. are you're going to
2: yeah you know i don't i don't remember off the top of my head but the other books are like the witch's eye witch weed and i can't remember what the other one is but oh yeah
0: cuz the eye winks at her
2: yeah so it, it, I think it so basically creepy. has to do with <laughs> things being haunted around the house after Ooh, she dies bad. and that causing issues because, you know, they have the creek and they have the weeds that grow and there's her oh, yeah, eye. her fake tea.
0: Yeah. Her poison tea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
2: they find out that Mrs. Tuggle
1: has been drugging their mother with this special tea that she makes with weeds that grow outside her house. And... um I thought about our discussion of scary stories to tell in the dark. Mm-hmm. Um, when, in that discussion, we talked about the scariest thing is when something that you trust, something that's familiar to you, something that you care about, is like changed in some way. Is like, and and she talks about that. And I can imagine this would just. Did this scare you when you read it? When you read about the mom being possessed? When you oh were young? yeah, I was oh. really
2: close with my mom too. Yeah, like how Lynn, you know, she, she really trusts her mom, and and she's she's devastated when her parents don't believe her, right? Yeah. In, in, in the um the, in the other books, when she's tried to talk to them, and say mm. in this book as well, like she just they're the people that she trusts. They're the people that will keep her safe, and then they don't believe her, right? Um. So yeah, it it scared me a lot (laughs) when I read it. I like when her dad, whose dad is it, Mouse's
0: dad shows up and he's like, I heard you guys singing or screaming in the basement, so I thought I should get you. I'm like,
1: what? (laughs) What? I heard singing or screaming screaming, coming from the basement. But either way, I thought
0: you shouldn't be in her house right now. Yeah, (laughs) The parents in this book are just... It's so funny. It goes back to that, like, Scooby-Doo thing where people don't always believe you. It's like, ah, please believe the children. I know. I couldn't figure out where this book was going to go at the beginning. I thought Mm -hmm. it was going to be, like, normal kids' book where the kids think someone's bad. And then, then like, you know, The Witch of Blackbird Pond where you realize the person's actually really nice and just got this. Uh So I was expecting that to happen. And then with the part (laughs) with the cat at the beginning, (laughs) I'm like, what? (laughs) Okay, they should do, like, trigger warning. There's some animal abuse in this book.
2: And oh, you should read the second book. I could second not figure is,
0: out where it was going. Yes. I, I talked to her on Monday. I'm like, I'm almost done, and what is going on? How many animals, animals can, can you kill, kill in her? a series? Because <laughs> okay. they were like, remember when she killed, killed the crow before? They referenced her killing the
2: crow. Okay. That was book Do you too. want me to explain what happens? Yes, okay, please. so you know this murder of crows is following mouse around everywhere and it's just mouse and her dad so her dad goes out of town and mouse is supposed to stay with mrs tuggle Nope, because mrs tuggle is like trying to get mouse to be part of her coven yeah um so as you do lynn runs interference and calls (laughs) mrs tuggle and is like nope um she's staying with me tonight lies to her mom says she's staying with mouse and so that or and that, you know, Mr. Beasley's home, which he's yeah. not. So the two of them um, are having a sleepover by themselves. No. And in the middle of the night, there's <laughs> this, again, there's another storm, and they, she looks out the window, and there's just crows and cats everywhere that have <gasps> surrounded the house. God, no. So how the crow ends up dying <laughs> is that a murder of them, come? they're coming down the chimney. No. So at the last minute, she closes the flue. And that's how that crow dies. Oh, because oh. it kind of slams. Yeah, the crow. Be, it, because they're coming to attack the girls. Um, and then the cat. No, she straight up plans to murder the cat and tries to drown it in the creek and thinks that she succeeded. And then she did not. I did not remember that from when I read the books so, when I was a kid. I had a hard time with that because anything with animal abuse, I'm like yikes. And yeah. I understand it's a possessed cat that has a human, an evil human soul in it. But still, so is the cat somebody? Is the yes. cat her brother? The cat. That's 100% her brother. Because they talk about in this book, and then I
0: got to the end, I'm like, did I miss a line where they were like, it's definitely the brother?
2: Okay. Because so, they allude to it.
1: Yeah. So Mrs. Tuggle's brother died in a flood. That's the story, anyway. Mm-hmm. And he's buried in the cemetery that they're going to pave. Paradise and turn into a parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) And so the girls suspect oh, so that that makes a lot more sense then why the girls suspect that the brother's body isn't there after all. Also
2: because in the first book, her sister conjures his body out of the creek this and is- then he's walking around and they're like oh and mrs tuggle's like this is my nephew or, or whatever what? and it's like no 100 percent, that is a dead body that's been animated <laughs> that is walking around your house wait <laughs> whose sister lynn's sister but she doesn't oh. remember any of it oh, yeah. so lynn and mouse Jude are watching and they're like oh my god they're like a guy comes out feet first from the creek while her sister's chanting oh no, what okay. yeah so so then when he leaves town basically Mrs. Tuggle um takes his soul out of that body and puts it into her cat cuz then okay. the, when the boy leaves town the cat shows up. Okay.
0: How does the cat die in this book? Is it just from exposure because they leave it in the car
2: in a trap? No, I think they I think Mrs. Tuggle like um, drew his spirit out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, oh yeah, because she knew the girls. Oh, because Lynn told her she had it. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's catch our listeners
1: yeah. up. So okay, sorry, um, so much so to, to unpack. Um, like we learned in our Witch of Blackbird Pond episode. So this I thought it was really interesting after recording that episode because that was about a witch. I think you said this, you alluded to this earlier, Amanda. That that was about a witch. People put all these like witchy rumors onto Hannah, yes. mm-hmm. and it wasn't true. But this story leans into all those witchy rumors and the idea of the evil witch um, being this older, mm-hmm. single woman who lives with a cat, quote unquote, vulnerable older lady, vulnerable older lady who lives with a cat, and um, so she has this cat that the girls don't trust mm-hmm. because of what they've seen in prior books. Yep. so they catnap it, and <laughs> I didn't get I didn't make that up. Um, this is from a review that I found on Goodreads. This is our new favorite segment called My Favorite Review that I read online. <laughs> oh, yes.
2: I love that. That's a segment now. <laughs> this comes from Goodreads.
1: This is a three-star review from author L. E. Fiddler. Shout out to L. E. Fiddler who wrote this August 28th, 2018. Okay, so all lowercase, by the way. <laughs> okay, so. You know when you were reading Fifty Shades of Grey and you started thinking about how Christian Grey hits, like, all the trademark red flags for serial killers? (laughs) Lynn kills a cat in this book. (laughs) 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 I mean, that's not exactly what happens. But it's close. She kidnaps, catnaps, Mrs. Tuggle's familiar, and then it dies while in captivity. That's kind of effed, no? Also, and not really as concerning but still an issue... Mouse reads one chapter of a book and suddenly becomes a master hypnotist. <laughs> <laughs> No wonder I had delusions of my prowess after reading books as a kid.
2: <laughs> I thought it was a very compelling review. Yes, everything's a little convenient that suddenly Mouse will remember stuff that she read in this book. Oh, by the way, the cat is the one who destroyed that book that they had. Oh, yeah, they said that. that yeah, because Mouse's dad, of course, is a rare book dealer, so that would be how they came across the spell book. Oh, this series is just yeah.
1: I know that there's some, like, overly convenient stuff in it, but it just hits all of my appeal factors. Like, witches, check. Cats, check. Female best friends solving a mystery together, check. A rare bookseller, I'm going to read these. (laughs) Like, all the stuff I love is in these books. I can't believe I hadn't read them. And so you were talking earlier about, Karen, about um, this is her nailers-only Supernatural series. I
2: think. I, you know, and don't quote me on it. I, th- I, I should have done she... my research before I came in here. Well,
1: either way, she's more famous for her more realistic fiction yes. series, for sure. And I read an interview with her, and she said that she never wrote the same kind of book twice in a row. So she would do realistic fiction, and then she would do a supernatural book, and then she would do a dog book, and then she'd do an adult book, and then she'd oh, do okay. a children's book. And it was just... And I think that's really evident in these books, because they're not... I don't want to trash genre fiction at all, but there are some literary fiction, some realistic fiction elements Mm -hmm. that are in this book that you might not always see in genre fiction or plot driven fiction. There's Mm -hmm. like the girl's relationship. We talked about the family's relationship, the sort of writerly time of year that, you know, the setting. Um, Karen, you talked about like her, Lynn being concerned that her parents were going to separate. That's probably. You know, something she might have written about in the Alice series, which is a, about a girl just like navigating being a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a smart way of writing because you learn how to do plot, but you also learn how to do description and relationship stories, and you're not just focused on one appeal factor.
2: I totally agree with what you're saying. And and at this point, like I said, this is more like YA horror light. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. It got me into some of the other um, horror authors, like, there was this book, and I wrote down the title. It was called "The Doll in the Garden." It was by Mary Downing Hahn. Yes, that's how you pronounce her name. Yes. So yes, Picture there were back. there was a lot more in it than just oh, there's a scary ghost. It wasn't. It, it started out kind of scary, but it ended up having a really well developed plot, and if I remember the ending, it's it's pretty uplifting. Mm. Um, but then I got into like. Caroline Bikuni and Christopher Pike and, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and Fear Street and that and you know in Fear Street it's like the parents don't even exist it's just yeah. Halloween it's, it's, it's parties it's and everyone's world.
0: dying <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> teenagers world and none of the adults care that people are dying left and right yes no, exactly they're too busy with their own stuff
2: <laughs> yes yeah, so I think that's why this book it really got me started on oh I like I love books with the elements of you know supernatural.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah, she did a really good job just making this a super creepy book without having to be like too gory or gross. Yes. I think that's my biggest complaint. Cause I'll do horror. I don't read as much horror as I'll watch because I feel like books stick in my brain longer than a movie will, mm-hmm. even though I feel like it seems like it should be the reverse. Um, but I hate when it's a it's like got a great plot it's moving along but then there's just like gratuitous gore and I'm like you don't need that this is freaky enough as it is and I think she did a really good job I was finishing it yesterday morning mm-hmm. and I came into work and I told Olivia I was like oh this, I don't want to say anything and give anything away but this is so freaking creepy mm. and it's just perfect I was like reading it it was dark on Sunday mm-hmm. I'm like under a blanket my cat jumped on me he almost got punched because <laughs> oh, I was no. scared and then he jumped on me right. <laughs> Right when something was happening Lynn, you know, like, oh my you? gosh <laughs>
2: yeah okay can <laughs> I just this say that part I don't like the parts with the animals I'm like okay I know they have evil spirits in them but <laughs> they're still not? animals yeah can like
0: we you talk can... about Darola <laughs> yeah I oh, want to talk that's what I was singing in my head when they said her name I'm like okay that's not even a real old timey name that's just weird like that's just
1: random so the if your name is
0: Darola please write into the podcast or Sabina
1: or Savina. Savina. So the witch identifies in everyone that we have like an evil self inside of us. And yes. that self, the girls learn it through hypnosis, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yes. Mouse hypnotizes Lynn. Poor Mouse. Poor Mouse. She's going to have a heart attack from all the hypnotisms they're making Shh, her do. They're making her do all of these and, and she's not, and she just read people say crazy book. stuff
0: when they're hypnotized in these books. What's she? She's happening? like, I'm not qualified. I've read a chapter, guys. I'm an expert. <laughs> I like when she, Lynn's like, you got to do it. And she's like, I don't really want to do this. I couldn't wake you up last time. No, it's fine. Let's do my sister next.
2: <laughs> like, she may when or may not so come pushy. back. She, she is back. like the pushy best friend where you're like, gosh. I see a okay.
0: lot of myself in Lynn. And my best friend totally would have been Mouse. Because I was the one that was like, come on, let's do it. It's going to be fine. And it was like, dangerous. Don't do it. Stop red flags.
1: <laughs> yes. So, they, so Mouse has an evil girl inside her named Savannah. So they- yeah, Savina, and Lynn's evil person inside her is Darola, and so I thought that was that was also interesting. Can I see the
0: book real quick? There's yeah, a part absolutely. The Thanks. Can I see your book cover? You you have the cover with the cat. That's the one from me, yeah, the yeah. Right? The
2: book I have doesn't have the illustrations. In a, illustrations unfortunately. Unfortunately are good, and those wow. illustrations are awesome. Well, Olivia's
0: looking this up. So you have this one says 2002. You have the cover that just has the creepy cat on it. Mm-hmm. I think that's an actual 1978 copy. And it's got the original artwork, which is got the creepy graveyard. The colors on the cover are really creepy. It's this like, what color blue is that? Like cerulean. almost cerulean. Yeah, like almost a cerulean blue. There's a really yellow moon. You see Mrs. Tuttle's creepy Tuggle? Tuggle's house in the mm-hmm. background. You've got the, it took me a minute to figure out what those were. That's where they sit in the graveyard. Yeah. That's yeah, these, the scroll like they sit on with the angels. Yeah. yeah. And then it's got that
2: creepy spider bracelet. Shout out to Gail Owens, illustrator of the 1970s. (laughs) These are great, these illustrations. I love those illustrations. I think they're, and I don't know why they got rid of them. I mean, yeah, okay, so the outfits are, you know, obviously 70s and dated, but Um, also it's 2022, everything from the 90s came back, including bell bottoms. It's true. The picture of Mrs. Tuggle trying to possess them at the end is a little creepy
0: in this book. With her big head. Yeah, it's like it shows her like giant mm-hmm. on the page, like she's trying to like mind control them. Mm-hmm. And then the girls look really small, and it's it's a really creepy picture. Also, the one where her mom's like yanking her arm because she kicked the cat. Ooh, let me see that picture. Yeah.
1: Okay, okay, so back to Darola. So Darola and Savannah are their evil selves. Mm-hmm. And so this is at the very end of the book after. Um, the witch is like vanquished, and Lynn and Mouse are going back. I wonder what you make of this part. So it's that they're back, and they're like looking through the remains mm-hmm. of Missus Tuggle's house after it burns down. Mm-hmm. It says, um, but Lynn knew she had to come. She had to walk over every inch of the place where the house had once stood. She had to recite the name of her own demon, Darola, again and again to familiarize herself with it, so that it could never again creep up unexpectedly and take her by surprise. She had to be convinced finally and firmly that she, Lynn Morley, was in control of her life. Isn't that good? Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> that's that's it's, so good. That's a level of depth that you would not expect in a kid's book.
1: A horror book. Yeah. Right? Like to, I, and I just read this over and over that she had to familiarize herself. Not to pretend like it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Not pretend like, they're what, like she was a perfect person in and out. Like familiarize herself, understand her own like moral failings, and then mm-hmm. she could be in control of them. Mm-hmm. That's so smart. And then she says, maybe if she had lived, she would have given up witchcraft eventually, Lynn said thoughtfully. People do change, you know.
2: I mean, is it corny of me to say that the passage at the very end is like metaphorical about being an adolescent and going through those changes and dealing mm-hmm. with all the different, you know, versions of you that pop up before yep. you decide, you know, who it is that you want to be? That's exactly mm-hmm. it. Yes. I hadn't thought about it as
1: being specifically about that time of life, but it is, right? And mm-hmm. like Coming of you- age often feel like there's something possessing you when you're going through puberty, too.
2: (laughs) I know, I just feel like you're crazy. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of love, I think the reason I love this series so much is because at the time I read it, I think I was like 10 years old, I had one really close friend, and... It just felt, it felt accessible. Like you were saying, like, oh, the girls are having a snack, they're having a sleepover, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. They still think that there's magic in the world. They still think that there's adventures to be had. And it's that specific point in life where maybe you're not necessarily concerned with whether or not someone's interested in you romantically or you're not super focused on, well, for me anyway, not super focused on school Mm. and You're still able to, you know, go out and about as much as you can, you know, before it gets dark out, like riding your bikes and going for walks and just, you know, maybe making up stories for things that aren't really there because, you know, you're just walking around your neighborhood and you don't know the neighbors very well. I I know my best friend and I did that. I know she loved these books, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you still suspect that there might be those supernatural elements in the world? Oh, 100%. I just kept waiting to wake up and have powers. It's oh, like, oh, one totally. of these days, it's it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, so like, <laughs> instead of being different weird, Karen, I could have been, oh, different power. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or different good, Karen. You know, it's yeah. It's yeah. Not, for me, that was a hard time in my life, so I, I really appreciate these books for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're being exceptional is
1: a good thing rather than
2: like... Yeah, instead of being the weirdo. Yeah, instead so which now I'm perfectly happy with being a weirdo, and I'm at a right. library, so I'm definitely in good company. <laughs> mm-hmm. But <laughs> Back then, it was a little tougher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. right. Weird is
0: cool now. Kind of, a little bit. Nerdy, yeah, is, Nerdy cool. is cool. I should say, like, being nerdier.
2: Definitely more than it was when we were young. For Thanks. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Early 90s, mid-90s. They were rough <sighs> at a private school. Just rough. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think about Lynn and Mouse's friendship? I did it did bother me sometimes when Lynn would boss her around. I understand mm. stood she was trying to push her out of her comfort zone and and it's great to have friends like that. But sometimes it was like, oh my gosh, this girl's this, so nervous, leave her alone. Is this is legit dangerous. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. I'm going to have you hypnotize someone that may or may not come out of this and or attack you because their <laughs> demonic self is coming through.
1: Yeah. There was a part that stood out to me, and I can't remember where it was exactly in the book, where she starts to see Mouse differently. Where Mouse mm-hmm. is starting to, she like notices that Mouse is yes. coming into her own a little bit. Yeah, she's like, she's like Mouse looks, might be beautiful sometimes.
2: Yeah, that's what I was about to say, which I thought was really it's interesting. Yeah. So it's interesting because, in, I want to say, the second book after Mouse's mom leaves, there's a lot of focus on Mouse's appearance. And, you know, her being disheveled and, you know, they they always talk about how she wears this poncho to school with just jeans underneath. (laughs) Yeah, they talk about that poncho. They talk about that a lot. And just how she's kind of (laughs) disheveled and a mess. But the way that Lynn looks at her while she's going through this, it seems like she's looking at her through more of a motherly perspective. Mm -hmm. I definitely feel like that's more the author coming through. Because I think if your friend were going through that and you were that young, you might just be like hey, maybe you want to put something else on. Yeah. <laughs> and leave it at that, you wouldn't attribute it to, well, her mother left. Yeah. So now she has no one. To, and her father loves her and takes care yeah. of her. But there's a lot of focus on that and the importance of mothers. Yeah, that's a really mm-hmm. good point. That That's true. That was way
1: more the author's comment. I don't know. If I was 11 and my friend looked disheveled, I don't know that I would have noticed
0: same. Yeah. And then Unless if you did, you would have like just really out bad. It. You just might be like, whoa, yeah,
2: what's going on? <laughs> yeah,
0: what happened today? Like, why are your clothes all dirty?
1: So, this was another part of the um, interview that with the author that I read. It mm-hmm. said, this is from Reading Rockets, and she was talking about Shiloh. And she said, I mean, I live every character. In Shiloh, I had to be the mother, the father, then I had to switch gears and become Judd T- Travers with the background that he had. Even I had to become the dog. There was a scene in which Becky is rolling. A three-year-old is rolling over Shiloh's back in the ground, and I had to imagine myself the dog, digging my claws in the ground, so I couldn't be rolled this way and that. And you really have to. It's like an actor on stage putting on different hats and becoming one character after another. There's a close association between acting and writing, I think. So that would make sense, that maybe she was putting herself into the character of Lynn mm-hmm. instead of really letting Lynn necessarily be a character in yeah. that part.
0: It'd be fun to get lost in Mrs. Tuggle a little bit because she's <sighs> so creepy.
1: I know I've been reading a lot of things aloud, but can I read the description of Mrs. Tuggle? Because I think it was my yes. favorite part of the book. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was not... It's just a paragraph. It was not her size that was formidable, for she was a rather small woman, wrinkled and somewhat bent. Her arms were thin and her bony shoulders stuck up through the sleeves of her house dress like doorknobs. Nor was it her face exactly that caused Lynn to shiver. If one passed her on the street, for instance, she might seem to have a rather grandmotherly face, sweet and gentle. But if one studied her for a long time, as Lynn had done, other features become more noticeable. Mrs. Tuggle's jaw was square and strong. Her eyebrows, unlike the white hair that wisped about her face, were bushy black. And beneath those brows, her eyes were sharp and penetrating, one eye green and the other gray. She looked as though she were capable of producing enormous strength if necessary. Perhaps it was this that frightened Lynn so. And then we find out at the end, the one eye was glass, right? Yeah, the green The one. green one. Yeah. She's
2: like the anti-grandma. She right, is. yeah,
1: it's that stranging the familiar again. Yeah. That's so creepy. Mm-hmm.
2: Like your grandma's supposed
1: to be someone you can trust, but what if she was an evil
2: witch? And I, my grandma is British. Like my mom was born in England, so my grandma has, has had a pretty you know heavy accent at this time. And so it was just it was funny to me that they, they made her British. And I'm like I'm just picturing my grandma, like, oh, she's nothing like this. Yes, she will make she would make you drink a lot of tea, <laughs> and she would give you snacks whether you wanted them or not, hundred uh-huh. percent. But just, yeah, the description, it it sounded terrifying. Like, it sounded like the exact opposite of my grandma, like if she had, like, an evil doppelganger or yeah, something. So it's yeah.
1: very doppelgangery. Yeah. Yeah, she was from the Isle
0: of Man. Mm-hmm. Where's the Isle of Man? Is that by the Isle of White?
1: I know their flag. It has, like, legs or something on it. What? Look up that flag of the Isle of Man. <laughs> I'll give you the heebie-jeebies. <clears throat> Isn't Ew. it creepy-creepy? Have you seen it? No. I went through a flag yeah. phase last year where I wanted to learn all the flags. <laughs> Sick. And that one, it's hard to forget.
0: <laughs> not to be gross, but it's like two running <laughs> legs and then a third leg coming out on the backside of where someone's butt would be. And they have yellow stars all around it. Oh, what is that? I'm sorry, know. Isle of Man. I'm not trying to disrespect your flag, but zoinks, that is like... And
1: it's like three legs. Yeah. If it were just two, it wouldn't be so alarming. No.
0: So the Isle of Man is in... The ocean, obviously, and it is between Northern Ireland and the United Kingdom. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Cool. Yeah, right smack dab in the middle there. Maybe the legs are. Oh, no, I don't, don't make excuses for the legs. But it kind of looks like no. legs. Okay. <laughs> Just
2: kidding. <laughs> Olivia, no.
1: What do you think makes a good horror story?
2: Um, I think a part of it for me, at least with like the young adult <laughs> horror books that I loved, is that. It's just always up to the protagonist to save the day for mm-hmm. them and their best friend. Like, no one believes them. only They're the only ones who can, you know, fix the situation. That's scary. Yes. Being yes. an adult is scary, yeah. and that'll give you a little taste of being an adult. <laughs> you got to fix it yourself. Yeah, you're on your own. <laughs>
0: I also felt like these were like the bravest kids ever. If this was going on and I thought my neighbor was a witch, I'd be like, oh, my God. I don't know what to do.
1: I'm just going <laughs> to pretend that nothing's wrong. I would you have done this when you were a kid? Well, she didn't have a choice, right? She was worried her, about her mom. Her mom was. And then she was worried about her brother. And that was the yeah. creepiest thing. So she has this little brother, Stevie. And Mrs. Tuggle was starting to like interact with Stevie and having Stevie mm-hmm. do things for her and try to find
2: her cat. Oh, God. You guys got to read the first or second book. I think it's <gasps> uh, I think it's the first book. Yeah. It's like it, it, she, it seems like Mrs. Tuggle had her eyes on on Stevie from the first book, which oh, is just so creepy, nice. like that, you know, <laughs> she was going to spirit him away or something. I, it was just, it's very bizarre. It, yeah. These are creepy books. Yeah. I know. mean,
1: because, yeah, she was after her family. But, I mean, to answer your question, no, I would not have done that. I would have passively w- let my family get possessed. I
0: dressed. would just pretend that it's like, la, 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 it's not <laughs> happening. And it's not because I would have been such a big security cat. I love those memes that someone created. The one I'm thinking about had um, like Mike Myers on it from Halloween, and it was like, what would you do if you saw this Did when you, you opened your Michael door? Did just call Michael Myers Mike Myers? Sorry, Michael Myers. <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking I about Austin Powers him. as well. I know, that's what Michael I Michael mean. Myers from Halloween, the guy with Sorry. the creepy dead emotion white mask, if you haven't seen it, which that to me is super terrifying, the yeah. absence of yeah. emotions, yikes. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. But the meme has a picture of him standing at the top of someone's stairs, and it says, "What would you do if you saw this when you open the door?" And someone's response was, "Be excited that I don't have to go to work in the morning."
2: <laughs> it's Like, there's like oh, this, gosh.
0: like this, you know, jokey, jokey, yeah. like adult life. You're like, whatever, I'm tired. Like, come on in and kill me. I'm exhausted. Um, but for the the scary, the scary thing, I feel like where this job does it or this book did it a good job was. You can obviously identify with the fear in the characters like they did a good job of how creeped out the girls were, Mm -hmm. although they were able to take more action. But to me, it's also like what Karen said, it's that the protagonist is the person that has to be responsible for things. And it's like they can never get enough support and they're stuck trying to figure things out. Yes. Mm-hmm. But there's also something where it's like certain elements, and I don't know even how, even know how to put my finger on it, but certain elements that get into you, like it's struck in your craw. Mm-hmm. Like, did you guys ever read Neil Gaiman's um, Ocean at the End of the Lane? I haven't. I don't generally, like I've never read any of his other stuff, but I read this book for some odd reason. I think I was going to do it for a book group or something. And that book scared the bejesus out of me. I had nightmares for three nights while I was reading it. And I can't even tell you why. Like it just had some really super duper, super duper creepy elements. Like there's a scene where this um, person has this worm coming out of their foot. And that's what gave me nightmares for days where I would have to pull this giant worm out of my foot. And it's just like, yeah, there's moments that are terrifying to me. It's Mm -hmm. like them having the cat like locked in the car that freaked me out that they had to go back and have to deal with that. And then it's like, is it really dead? I thought the cat was faking. I thought the cat was gonna pretend that it was dead and then be like ah.
1: Yeah, the book went hard. It did not work. Yeah. Back.
0: No, and I think it's like those moments of like not knowing also. Like like I said, I thought at least through over half the book, I'm like, No, she's just a nice lady. They're building this up, they're mm-hmm. building it up too much. No, she's actually a crazy witch. Like
2: I think that's what I thought when I first started reading the book. And at the end I was like, Oh it's the
0: uncertainty <laughs> in horror books for me too, where you're just like waiting for the other shoe to drop.
2: Yeah. That's what it
0: is. Yeah. The other shoe to drop oh Boom, shakalaka! it just hit me my coffee and the ideas
1: it just hit me so nanda you mentioned yes that you didn't think the book aged well and i wondered what part of it you didn't think aged well
0: um i think the story itself aged well but there's certain elements like um and it could also be because the illustrations were dated. They're the original ones yeah. in my book from the 70s. So it's yeah. the girls wearing the bell bottoms. and um, But I also think the expectation of the mom making the meals and everything, although I think about that in a lot of my, all of my friends, um, it's a two-parent income mm-hmm. situation. But it's funny, even though we say that relationships are more equitable nowadays, all of the females that I know, except for one, are responsible for cooking. They're all, you know, responsible for all the child care stuff. It's like I joked once with um, my friend. I'm like, you know, if my sister-in-law died tomorrow, my brother, I don't even know if he would, like, know all the kids' teachers' names and all that. And I was just joking. I'm sure he does. But, um, you know, it's like, have we really changed that much from the 70s in some respects after I see the way that all of my um, female friends are in their Relationships with In parenting and yeah. what the expectations are in their marriage, and maybe that's a conversation I was not privy to, but um, but there were some other things, and I'm trying to think what I told you when I was. I wondered if it.
1: you see, so yeah, I was asking because I wondered if you thought that it was um, too violent, and as a children's yes. librarian, maybe it wouldn't be published. I like. don't think that this book would be
0: published nowadays. Yeah. Do you, Karen? Because of the stuff with like killing the I cat. I would say with
2: the and, cat murder, probably not. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was like, when I read that, and that's early on in the book, I was like, oh my God, like they would never publish this nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and I think the other thing that kind of caught me was I feel like parents nowadays are so much more supportive of children. So if kids went to the parents, and we're like, you know, this stuff is going on. Yes, a parent's can be like, oh my gosh, you're overreacting. She's not a witch. She's just an old lady. But I feel like at some point... Parents nowadays would be tuned in differently than these parents Mm -hmm. were like the ones where I was joking earlier where the dad's like, I heard you singing or screaming in the basement. It's like, what? (laughs) Like it was just such a random thing to say. Versus nowadays I feel like the parents would be like, you know, where are the kids? Why are they in this woman's basement? Like I feel like there would be Mm -hmm. more questions to the other adults. So I don't know. So in some respects it feels like a little dated to me based on my experience of parents nowadays.
1: Yeah. I and it's weird too to think that the only reason that Lynn's dad starts to get worried is because his wife is acting differently. She's yes. starting to act strangely. Yes. and The kids talked about it till they were blue in the face, and he was like, oh, she's just an old lady. Which Leave is funny, because
0: didn't the, the parents acknowledge that there was something weird going on with um what's the sister's name? Judith. 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 There was something weird going on with Judith in what, book two that they referenced so in this?
2: The first book is The book Witch's one. Sister. Okay. Um, And yeah, Judith... She has issues. The mom, though, most of the book chalks it up to the fact that I think she's 13 or 14 at that age and that Uh, she's going through puberty. Yeah, she's going through some changes and she wants more privacy because of that. Yeah. They they chalk it up to puberty a lot in the first book.
1: I mean,
0: puberty and witchcraft have some similarities. (laughs) Yeah,
2: just call it what it is, guys. (laughs) Yeah, it
1: is a good metaphor. Speaking of witchcraft, do you want to pull it? Do you think we have time?
0: Yes, we do. So I brought me tarot cards. Woo. I'm you gonna let Karen do it because she's our guest.
1: Okay, you can put, smoosh them around. You can just pick whichever one you want.
2: Do I just take one.
1: Yeah, whichever oh. one you like.
2: Oh, I got. I got ten of swords.
1: Ten of swords. I'm just gonna read right. a little. Can I see the
0: picture? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so for our friends at home, ten of swords has a man standing with his eyes closed, his right hand kind of cupping where his heart would be. And all of the swords are piercing his body from his feet up to his forehead. Ooh. But there's flowers coming off of all the swords.
1: Okay, Karen actually picked the card, I think, that speaks directly to this book's plot. Creepy, Karen. You want to hear it? Karen's a witch, too. <laughs> yep. The horrors and fears of a situation have been fully realized. They have cut to the core but can cut no further. This card is an indication of something undeniably difficult, but the growth that can come from the situation is already beginning to bloom because March is over and April has begun and (sighs) the mom's fine now. Wow. Good job, Karen. Nice work, Karen. I appreciate that. That's spooky dookie (laughs) how fitting that
2: is. (laughs) Yep. Well, I know you guys usually do book recommendations, but if anybody's looking, I I have some author names I can suggest if you're looking for early 90s horror, which is probably way too violent. And you have to probably mail most of the books. (laughs)
0: probably because I actually was trying to find Christopher Pike and fear street books recently after watching the fear street series, I wanted to revisit the stuff that scared the crap out of me when I was in middle school Mm -hmm. and I had to order everything in from Mel. We don't really, I think we had like one Christopher Pike book in the teen department here and everything else I had to order in.
2: Well, they're turning that one Christopher Pike book into it, or they already turned it into a Netflix series. Which one? Um, I think it's, is it the midnight club? It's the one about the, um, the teenagers who are essentially in like a, They're terminally ill, and they get Mm -hmm. together at night and tell scary stories. Oh, so Christopher Pike might have a little bit of a comeback at some point. Oh, that'd be kind Mm. of cool. Yeah, Mm. but I mean, Lois Duncan books—her books are fantastic. Yes, I—I don't know if we still have any of hers, but her books were really good.
0: What was her one? Was it kidnapped or something? What was the Lois Duncan one that was really popular? Why didn't you read I know what you did last summer? Yes. I actually one. found yeah. that when my husband and I put all of our books together. He mm-hmm. had a copy of that from high school and I'm like, I'm keeping this. That's like amazing. <laughs> now I kind of want to read it cuz I love that movie when I was in high school. Yeah. It scared the bejesus out of me. Scary. Yeah, all
2: right, well great. what read-alikes do you have for us? No, okay. I don't know. Let me, I'm just I just wrote down the author's names. Good. Okay. Let's see. Who did we have? Okay. So I had Lois Duncan, mm-hmm. Diane Ho, H O H. She had she had written some good scary stuff. Uh, Caroline Bicuni. Um, oh, this book is really good, and it's not necessarily in the same vein. But Zilpha Keatley Snyder's Headless Cupid. I think that one actually won an award. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and like I said, Mary Downing Hahn, uh, Doll in the Garden, and Richard Peck was another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, Early we'll '90s for... horror.
0: Um. I think Mary Downing Hahn is still writing for kids, I feel like, because I know we have some of her stuff. Um, did Carolyn B. Cooney write that series where the girl was on the milk carton?
1: Um, let oh, me see. Or is- Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I used to shelve those when I worked in youth, and it would
2: scare me just to shelve them.
0: Because the girl thinks that she sees a picture. No, that, that's,
2: yeah, that's Caroline Bukuni. The yeah. face on the milk carton. Face
0: yeah. on the milk carton. I read that for an adult book group where we're going to discuss that. And it was really interesting since everybody grew up in the 80s, and that was becoming a thing back then.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the Headless Cupid got the Newbery Honor Book uh, for 1972.
0: Interesting.
2: So those were mostly YA recommendations, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I read them when I was a tween, but yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: You you have some, too, for kids?
0: Um, You know, I would refer people to Novelist. I actually don't know any of the books that were on this list. I think there were a lot of older ones. Um, The one that I did recognize was Doll Bones by Holly Black. Mm. Um, She does write some creepy stuff. But this book reminded me of a series that I've read recently called um, the first one. The main character is this girl named Serafina. They take place, I think, in the late 1890s. The first one in the series is Serafina and the Black Cloak by Robert Beatty. That book scared me when I started reading it. They're being chased in the basement by this man in a black cloak, and when he wraps the cloak around you, the kids disappear and get sucked into it. Okay. And it takes place at um, what's a really big mansion in um, Asheville,
1: Oh Biltmore.
0: It takes place at the Biltmore while the original family's there, mm. which is the what, who is the family? I can't remember what. Um, it's
1: the Steel people, right? <laughs>
0: Oh, not Carnegie's. It was. um, The Vanderbilts? Vanderbilts. Vanderbilts, Right, because Biltmore. Um, So the Vanderbilt family actually lives in the house at the time. And she is, her dad is like a repairman for the house. So they live in the basement and she becomes friends with their nephew. And it ties into all these old stories from the hill people at that time period. So it's got this fun, like local lore that he ties into the book. It's all fiction, but it's like this fantastical kid's horror. And I think there's or five books in the series I think I read them all but the first one is the best fantastic mm-hmm. but that's what I was thinking about when I was reading this because it just had some really good like creep elements yeah that's so. a good one anyway
1: cool right on <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> for doing yeah that. no I had
2: a lot of fun I've been trying to talk to other people
1: thank you for listening to the books we loved a podcast through the Troy Public Library you can find more information about the books and library services we mentioned in the show on our website at troypl.org slash podcast. If you would like to suggest a topic for future discussion, please email us at podcast at troypl.org. Thank
2: you for listening and happy reading.